Hello and welcome to another It Is Written program. My name is Doug Bruce and I've had the privilege of directing the program for over 20 years. In 1973, Pastor Henry Feyerabend, after returning from mission work in Brazil, felt a need to start a broadcast for the Portuguese community in Toronto. That first program started out as only five minutes long, but quickly expanded to 30 minutes, and then an English program named Destiny was added. In 1991, that English program eventually became known as It Is Written Canada. In 2000, Pastor Sean Boonstra took over from Henry Feyerabend as host of this program and continued until 2004, when the speaker you're all familiar with, Pastor Bill Santos, was called to lead this ministry. Today, It Is Written Canada is embracing change once again, and I would like to take this opportunity to welcome our new host, Chris Holland, to the It Is Written family, and to thank Bill Santos for his 10 years of dedicated leadership. I know you have been blessed by his ministry, and it certainly has been a pleasure having the opportunity to work with him. Today, Chris Holland will be presenting Signs of Hope. I know you'll be blessed by today's program. It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. In the twilight hours of April 14, 1912, the RMS Titanic sped through the icy waters of the Atlantic. At the last moment, an iceberg was spotted. The Titanic maneuvered to avoid that iceberg, but it tore a gash in the side of the magnificent ship. Almost three hours later, the ship sank with over 1,500 of her crew and passengers perishing in the frigid waters. Could it be that this 100-year-old story has a lesson for us today? Could it be? that this story sheds light on a teaching of Jesus from almost 2,000 years ago. In 1908, White Star Lines contracted to have Olympic-sized vessels built. White Star was trying to stay on the cutting edge by building the largest cruise ships in the industry. Those ships would eventually be known as the Olympic and the Titanic. Titanic boasted a length of almost 300 meters a width of almost 30 meters, and a height of over 30 meters. It was the largest ship at the time. This enormous boat was a luxurious liner. Even the third-class passenger facilities were lavish compared to other vessels. The Titanic and Olympic were deemed the largest and finest steamers in the world. Many experts of the day believed they were unsinkable. However, as we know today, the Titanic was not the unsinkable ship she was thought to be. On April the 10th, 1912, the fateful journey of the Titanic began. In the days leading up to the disaster, the Titanic received several warning messages of drifting ice in the area she would be sailing. Under normal operating procedures of the times, the Titanic continued cruising at full speed. The ship simply placed a lookout to watch for any imminent danger. Unfortunately, the spotter saw the iceberg too late. 
After striking that iceberg, the Titanic sunk, and along with it, 1,500 people perished that day. It is a tragedy of historic proportions. Today, some of the artifacts from this terrible disaster are on display at Halifax's Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. The Titanic received many warnings, but ignored them. That choice cost many lives. Is it possible, friend, that we are living at a time when we have received many warnings, yet we have ignored them? Is it possible that despite the numerous warnings, we, like the Titanic, are simply cruising through life at full speed? Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave warning signs. He presented signs of his second coming. Those signs were given so that we might know that it was nearing. As Jesus was concluding his ministry, just before he was arrested and ultimately killed, he met with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus spoke of how the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. The disciples were troubled by the prospect that the great temple of Jerusalem was to be destroyed. So his disciples came to him asking questions. And beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? The disciples asked two questions. When would the temple be destroyed? And what was the sign of his second coming? The disciples thought that these two events were one and the same. However, they were and are distinct from one another. Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, overlooking Jerusalem, painted a vivid picture of a time when Jerusalem would be destroyed. He pointed forward to 70 AD, when the Roman armies led by the general Titus would come and not leave one stone upon another. The disciples thought that such a catastrophic event must precede the Lord's return, but they misunderstood. Frankly, they may not have been able to endure the true nature of all of the events to come. So as Jesus answered, he blended his answer so as to not overwhelm his disciples. They were unprepared for a full disclosure of future events. After Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, the disciples continued to study the words of Jesus. And with the guidance of the promised Holy Spirit, they gained a more complete understanding. Today, like those early disciples, we are studying the words of Jesus to discover what words of warning he has for us. When reading a book or watching a movie, the final chapter of the book or the final chapter of that movie is often the climax. In that final chapter or minutes, Tensions are resolved and everything that book or movie was driving towards is brought to a conclusion. The Bible is no different. 
The Bible is replete with warnings to God's people and in the last chapter and the last verses, that final warning is given, which all other warnings pointed to. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, Jesus had words. Revelation chapter 22 and in verse 7, he shared these words for us. Behold, I am coming quickly. And then again, in verse 12, he states this. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. But he's not done there. Finally, in verse 20, he goes on to say, Surely I am coming quickly. In the last chapter of the Bible, with great urgency, Jesus tells us three times, tells us that he is coming quickly. Today we're studying specifically the warnings given in Matthew 24 that point directly to the nearness of his coming. These warnings are in reality encouragements to be steadfast in our faith and to cling more closely to him. As we begin this study, I want to share with you a key principle in understanding the timing of the Lord's return. In Matthew 24, 24, verse 36, Jesus is very clear. Again, Matthew chapter 24, and in verse 36, Jesus is quite clear about the timing of his coming. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Did you hear that? No one knows the exact time of the Lord's return. So if any pastor, preacher, or teacher begins sharing that they know the exact timing of the Lord's second coming, we can know that they are not operating according to biblical principles. Yet, we ought to care about the nearness of Jesus' return. Because in verse 42, notice what he goes on to say. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And in verse 44, Jesus goes on to say, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. In these verses, Jesus gives us two key principles that will enable us to be prepared for his return. Watch and be ready. In chapter 24, he tells us what to watch for and gives us signs of his soon return. Then in chapter 25, he tells us how to be ready through three parables. Those two principles of watch and be ready prepare us for that day of glorious hope when Jesus will come and take us from this hopeless and helpless world. What does it mean to watch? The original language gives the idea that this word is defined as being on alert, being vigilant, and having zealous watchfulness. This watching is not just a casual glance, but an intent gaze. This type of watching pays attention to the details so as not to miss anything. With just over three minutes to play in the gold medal women's hockey matchup at the Sochi Olympics, the U.S. women team held a 2-0 lead over the Canadian team. However, in a shocking turn of events, the Canadian team tied the game in just less than two minutes and sent the match into overtime, where they, of course, won the gold medal. 
Imagine for a moment that you had watched the entire game and in those closing three minutes, you figured the game was over and went and popped a bag of microwave popcorn or you went to use the washroom or you went outside to gather your mail. In just those few moments, you would have missed some of the most exciting moments of Olympic history. When Jesus said, watch, he didn't mean that we would stare up in the clouds all day long, but he intended that we would carefully observe what is going on in the world around us. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We should dwell on heavenly things and fill our mind with heavenly thoughts. Yet at the same time, we are to be observant of the happenings on this earth to see the way marks. We need to watch until the very end. Mark 13 is a parallel chapter to Matthew 24. It shares the same event, but from a different perspective. I want you to notice Jesus' comment about watching in Mark chapter 13, verses 28 to 29. Mark 13, 28 to 29. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know it is near at the doors. Jesus gave a simple illustration. When we see the buds on a tree branch, we know that the change of season is at hand. After the harshness of winter, the breaking of tree buds tells us that the warmth of summer is on its way. In the same way, Jesus gave signs in Matthew 24 indicating that his return is soon. Even though we do not know the day or the hour, we do know the season. What are the signs of his return? As we study this chapter, we will see that the signs of his return can be grouped into four categories. Signs in the religious world, the political world, the natural world, and in the world of society. The signs in the religious world are recorded in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 and 24. Matthew 24, verses 23 and 24. That if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. There is the true Christ and there are true prophets. But Jesus says that there will be counterfeits. The challenge in many of these cases is that counterfeits are not always easy to recognize. In fact, in Revelation 16, 14, we are warned. Revelation chapter 16 and in verse 14, the Bible warns us. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Satan works through them to perform signs which deceive and confuse so often error is not outright error, but it is truth mixed with error. This is what makes counterfeits so dangerous. They are often truth and sometimes a lot of truth mixed with just a small amount of error. You never find a person who introduces himself or herself as a card-carrying member of the False Prophets Club, do you? No. The error is often couched in truth. When counterfeiters make bills, 
You don't see them counterfeiting $13 bills, do you? Why not? Because $13 bills don't exist. Counterfeiters will try to copy the genuine article. In May of 2000, the town of Walkerton, Ontario, seemed like any other small Ontario town. But suddenly, many of the townspeople began getting sick. Little did they know, but the town's water supply had been contaminated with the deadly E. coli bacteria, a silent killer that doesn't have a taste or smell. People drank the water because drinking water is good for you. But this good-for-you drink had been contaminated with a poison. It was good and bad mixed, and the bad made people sick. In fact, at least seven people died from Walkerton. Truth and error work the same way. The devil often wraps error with enough truth to make it palatable. What can we use as a standard for truth? 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Notice what the scripture says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is the litmus test. It will mark with distinction what is truth and what is error. It will make clear what is true and what is false. Friend, I must tell you, beware of any teacher that steers you from the Bible. It is our only true guide. Too many today make decisions based on emotion and feelings, but God's word gives us the foundation to help us make decision based on principle. The devil has packaged false teachers and false teachings in many different forms. Books, magazines, television programs, and movies featuring the occult have grown and are some of the most popular. These falsehoods have been aimed at our young people and teens seem to be the most fascinated by these teachings. Youth and young adults dominate the number of adherents to the occult and new member members of cults. False teachers and leaders use their magnetic and mesmerizing personalities to deceive unsuspecting followers. In recent history, we have seen the names in the headlines. There was Jim Jones, who formed the People's Temple. He claimed to be the People's Savior and in 1978 ordered a mass suicide. That day, 909 people died of drinking cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. In 1993, David Koresh made a stand against the U.S. government in Waco, Texas. Koresh had a magnetic personality who drew a number of followers. He too claimed to be the Messiah of the Bible. On April 19, 1993, 78 members of the Branch Davidians, including Koresh, perished when the U.S. government entered their compound and it caught on fire. Marshall Applewhite, whose piercing eyes have been seen in many news magazines and television programs, was known as John Doe. He led the Heaven's Gate cult. He taught his followers that the famous Hale-Bopp comet was being trailed by a spacecraft that would receive them and take them to a place of bliss. Between March 22 and March 22nd of 1997, 
39 individuals took their lives on the hopes of bliss. In Australia, A.J. Miller claims to be Jesus of Nazareth reincarnated. He claimed in 2012, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney would be engulfed by the sea and no longer exist. His predictions, of course, failed. Apollo Quiboloi, founder of the Restorationist Church in the Philippines, claims to be the appointed son of God. Friends, while these may be easy to identify and easy to avoid, many people have been deceived. And while these are scattered, isolated instances, the Bible tells us that there will be a deception of a global nature that all who dwell on the earth will face. The book of Revelation predicts that in the end times, just before the return of Jesus, in chapter 13 of Revelation, verses 13 and 14, notice the prediction of what will happen in those last days. Revelation 13, 13 and 14. He, the prophetic lamb-like beast that came out of the earth, performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Do you see the common thread in the deceptions we read about in the Bible? There will be incredibly amazing and seemingly miraculous signs and wonders that lead many to be deceived. Friends, we cannot allow that which is exciting or exhilarating play on our emotions and dictate what is truth and error. All these signs in the religious world should not discourage us. There is hope for this helpless planet. These signs point to the reality that Jesus is coming soon. The time is now to cling to him. But Jesus also said that there would be signs in the political world. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6, Matthew chapter 24 and in verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. When you look back over the course of the 20th century, what you will find is it was the bloodiest century of all in history. The 20th century brought 180 million deaths from war. In a society that many claim is getting better and better, reality would suggest otherwise. Jesus predicted a rise in war. In just the first 14 years of the 21st century, there have been over 25 wars and well over a half million casualties. Today, there are fragile peace agreements. Despite the many political spins on peace, so many areas of the world teeter on the brink of war. Countries like Libya and Egypt have experienced major political upheavals. Syria is still in the midst of crisis. Iraq and Afghanistan are on extremely unstable ground. Just in these past weeks, we have seen the developments in the Ukraine. This should come as no surprise. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3 warns us, 
For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Friends, Jesus predicted these signs. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be overwhelmed. We need to trust. The word of God is our only guide. In this chaos of hopelessness, the word gives us hope. Jesus is our hope when we feel helpless. All of these signs point to his soon return when he will bring an end to sin, suffering, death, and dying. Jesus has given many more signs of his return, which we will continue to study. But I want to leave you with this assurance of Jesus. Even in all the turmoil of this world, Jesus has given these signs of hope. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says these words. In Joshua 1 verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus will be with you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. But he invites you today to come into a relationship with him. And Joshua had these words of encouragement for the people of Israel on the edges of the promised land. At the end of the book of Joshua, in Joshua 24 and verse 15. Joshua 24, 15. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Heaven is our promised land. A choice to enter into a relationship with Jesus gives us assurance and hope, not just for then, but for now and the everyday things of our lives. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6 assures us. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. His signs of hope can give us courage as we face the future of tomorrow and the struggles of today. Oh friend, Jesus is reaching out his hand of courage today. I invite you to give your heart and your life to him right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we live in a world that is hopeless and helpless. We find many struggles that exist. We fight against many things in our everyday lives, but we need courage. We need courage to endure. And so today, we give our heart to you and ask you to give us the endurance as we see the signs of the times to stand fast and cling to you every day that we would be ready for you when you come again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, you can get more information about the program today, a resource for your spiritual library in the Discover Bible lesson. Here's the information you need to get that lesson. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid.
For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. Thank you so much for watching. You can go to itiswrittencanada.ca to get more information about this program and to see our archived programs. We hope to see you again next week. And until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.